man. I really appreciate your time. No worries, Jay. Thanks for having me. How's your uh, How's your day been so far? It's been okay. It's I've been out and about, definitely all over London, all over London town, seeing the sights of the well, the sights are the inside of a tube and a train. So, <laughs> and then and then various gyms. <laughs> uh, the the joys of being a personal trainer. Are you do you carry your equipment with you or? Yeah, some stuff. You know, luckily I have access to quite a few gyms, like uh, because of the nature of a few people I train, I, you know, I'm allowed to use certain gyms, some, you know, well-known gyms, you know, as in brands. So that's really cool. So I know what they got, but yeah, I always have a few tools. I'm, I'm the guy who wanders in with this big rucksack, like da, 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 puts it down on the middle of the floor having to hide. And then when I'm at my own gym, it drives me mental when people bring rucksacks and go from machine to machine and put their, and put their rucksacks down. You know, <laughs> they never seem to get that much out of them, but trust me, I take a lot out of that rucksack. Has to be like correctly stacked every night before I go. You know, have to really plan what I'm going to take. And uh, <laughs> so yes, that that was that was today. You're like the um, you're like a magician putting putting stuff out the hat. You know, it's just this bag uh, exactly. never ending. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot up my sleeves. There's a lot up my sleeves. <laughs> so um, tell me about your background and what you do for those that don't know. Obviously, who you are. So floor is yours introduce yourself and uh yeah we'll go from there uh, well my name's rob and i train people uh, to the best of my abilities in various aspects of fitness you know whether that be strength mobility just general conditioning sport specific music specific all of those kind of things um but what is my background i don't even know what my background is for i started karate when i was 13 at 14, I met uh, a Taekwondo teacher who changed my life and I then went off to Taekwondo and that really unfolded my life. I was a little bit of a, a pain in the backside when so my parents tell me. I've like wiped that bit out of my memory uh, as a child. So I had loads of energy and that energy wasn't always um, put into the right place as it were. And suddenly Taekwondo came along. Then I found a teacher or a coach I could believe in and that made a hell of a difference. And I was that was it. I was just committed. And uh, I then played in a band. That was a good aspect of my life. But I continued training and I had lots of escapades training and training people on the road and stuff like that. And then eventually that ended. And I was always still into martial arts and I was now into MMA, doing MMA. And it just seemed like a, a logical progression to get to here now because uh when i was looking at things i was i like to not studies the wrong word but i like to see what was going on what the best people in the world were doing and um try and bring that to our training now training wasn't like that so i'd ask lots of questions and irritate loads of people and i was a pain to loads of teachers and sometimes outside the gang because you know i would ask a lot of questions and try and bring in new things that i'd seen on what was the road to the octagon? It used to be, you, I can't remember. You remember they used to make those hour documentaries before every UFC? Yeah. And there would be them like, you know, running up hills and stuff like that. And I'd be videoing it, pausing it, writing notes. And, you know, why aren't we doing that? You know, so, uh, and that really brings me to here. After that, I started asking a lot of questions and I used to train, I used to live in Blackheath. And I started training a few people from my fight gym on Blackheath, just helping out and stuff. And then a lady came past 
And she said to me, can you train me? And I was like, no, I'm not a trainer. And she came back a few times and asked me to train her. And I'm, that was many years ago. So I'm 42 now. And I still train her. Wow. So thanks to her, I became a trainer. And, you know, I, it took me a little bit of persuading. But I, I went for it a few years back. And here I am now. So, talking to you yeah so you wouldn't be on the um, personal training like journey basically without that woman maybe well you can never say never but without her sort of influence and yeah I think, I think i didn't value myself i didn't see myself like that if you look at you know when i was at the at the gym or around trainers they always seemed quite separate to me but uh yeah, it, perhaps it took someone like that to believe in me when I didn't believe in myself to get me off the uh, get get a foot up me ass basically. <laughs> so, how did you um, sort of land your clientele? Because obviously, I've seen on your Instagram you're working with like Paloma Faith, Oli Mers, um, just like a, those two people, just a name, for example, for the people out there that don't know um, Emma Willis, I think as well. Yeah. Um, how did you How did you land them? A uh, bit of good fortune. Um, as I said, I used to play in a band and I started training a guy who uh, he used to run like a street team. Like years before, man, it had been huge. It was called X-Taster. This is like 2005. So it's before Facebook and all things like that. And and he said to me, do you know what? I was training him. Uh, I used to train him in the park, Millennium Park, which is right where the London Eye is and uh, Vent. And I was like the only trainer sort of allowed to train there because I used to talk to all the gardeners and they wouldn't grasp me up, whereas everyone else they'd chase off because I don't think you're allowed to train there kind of thing. And uh, he was said to me, you'd be really good at music because you understand the bubble. But it wasn't just that. I sort of knew some of the demands of musicians and stuff like that and performers and could relate that to perhaps preparing for a fight or a sports event. So I you know, approached it that way. Luckily... Uh, you mentioned Emma Willis. I uh, know her husband, Matt, who's completely into his fitness and quite a few people around him are really into his fitness. Uh, I knew him really well. And so we trained together and, you know, used to show him stuff. And he's really smart with nutrition and he's educated himself really well. And so that was sort of a roundabout thing. And then eventually, because I knew Emma, he was like, you know, can you train Emma? And I was like, I'd love to. And then it's sort of like, went from there you know nice, uh, one after the other after the other and i'm quite lucky i train you know some some people you can mention some you can't but yes i do tr seem to train a lot of musicians um and i like training them because they're really sort of like hungry people for example i've been waiting for a guy one one session so it was ollie ollie Murs, and um i was in manchester and he had been out since like seven on this grueling radio tour and got back about nine thirty, and he's in the evening he still wanted to train did you know what i mean like this in there's that there's that drive in certain people and you can understand why perhaps they're at the level they are i'm not really commenting on talent or anything like that. i'm saying that all of these people have perhaps that extra bit of motivation that, you know, like a lot of people can learn from, a lot of people who want to be like them can uh, look towards them and go, do you know what, when they, when you think it's time for Netflix, they're still, they're going for a session or whatever. They're still grinding on their, 
on their dreams or to be to be successful in those 13 hour days you know yeah completely you know i think they understand the the process and the work they've got to put in the sacrifice to a degree they've got to put in you know it's not for everyone but uh there's definitely a theme in in the people i train uh i'm training a, a musician tomorrow morning and i text her and i was like seriously kelly i've only got you know i can only do this time and she's like okay i'm like <laughs> all right you know well, what can you do you know but it's, she's gonna be up early let's put yeah. it like that you know? <laughs> and i'm sure she's then got a grueling day ahead of her you know when she'd prefer a lie-in rest the voice and all that malarkey do you find that their uh, energy kind of rubs off on you their motivation their drives because they say like if you surround yourself in that bubble that it's going to start to motivate you and keep you driven and if you're hanging around with negative people who aren't going nowhere in life that kind of vibe rubs off on you as well do you have you found that in yourself like you meet i don't know ollie mers and you spend spend an hour training him and then you're like do you know what? i just feel fucking motivated right now <laughs> he is a very positive person you know like it is a, it, you know it is it is good he always comes in like all right you know like it's never like oh kind of thing um which is which is great because that sets the tone for the session you might have all these plans but if that person's energy isn't there if their person's energy is there at the beginning it makes it a lot a lot easier um but yeah there's a lot of talk at the minute you know and obviously you know I'm, i've always been influenced by joe rogan and you know his podcast has been a bit of a mecca for my life um and you know he always talks about removing negative people and lots of people say that but and it is true but i quite like an eeyore you know like to use a winnie the pooh analogy i quite like moany people and and uh i just don't particularly like people who drag people down i'll give you a great example i was away last week and um i been up and i go i get up every morning i go swimming when i was away and i you know, do some other things but it really wakes me up makes me feel awesome you know like getting i literally just get in shower jump in the pool ta-da and i was on the way up and a a, a lady that was you know like you know re- considerably overweight got into the lift with me and i'm like all right and she's like yeah and she says we, we've just been doing it. i said oh, i've just been for a swim do it every morning on holiday you know she said to me on holiday she said i can't think of anything worse to do on holiday and i said to her oh well do you do, you do that kind of thing at home then you know and she looked at me and was like no and then i was like well how do you know and that's an example of someone you know, I quite like a moan. I think as British people, we quite like a moan. Uh, we're a little more cynical than like some of our American friends and stuff like that. But it, you know, I could imagine being around her. She would have like, do, do you see what I mean? Oh, don't bother going today. Yeah. You know, give today a miss. You know, when actually, you know, the reason I can sort of go ta-da in the lift and like have loads of energy is because of that sort of refreshing, replenishing moment. I only do like 12 lengths. No. so yes I, I get what you mean positive right? people are that this uh she's like uh an energy zapper almost you know at some some page like you feel like yeah i i, I feel like i want to go to the gym but i'm not i'm a little bit demotivated and then you get her going just go tomorrow don't worry about it and you're like oh yeah and then that workout never happens and then your energy just slumps whereas that morning session that you did on holiday like getting the blood pumping, getting the brain focused. You, that's why you're there. You're on, in your element. You're prepared. 
Exactly. And I, it's only the second time I'd ever been to an all-inclusive place. And there's this massive breakfast. And I feel like if I start the day going, that's sort of my tone of the day. And I feel quite heavy. And I'm not going to go to yoga at 10.15 or, you know, try and, like, absolutely prank my nephews in the pool kind of thing, you know. Because you can't I can hold my breath. <laughs> I can hold my breath for a bloody long time. I just swim under and when they're on their own plate, wasn't just dump them off, you know. <laughs> so um, 42 going on 4.2 what advice would you give um to say someone who's trying to build in the fitness industry so they're trying to gain a uh, high level pro- uh, clientele or just trying to be be successful because obviously you said about um you like have your own sort of gym and things like that and there's a lot of people that will drop out um due to i don't have i don't have my own gym yeah i travel around right. That's the plan for next year. That's next year. Oh, yeah, I want to open a facility. But sorry, let's go back to that question. Yeah, no, so I'm just thinking I've willed it into the universe for you, man. So next year you'll have your gym. (laughs) I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I'm I'm pulling that that one in. Um, It's, you know, in all honesty, who am I to give advice? You know, I can tell you my story, but let's be honest, you know, like, it's giving advice is a tricky thing. You just sort of say to people, this is what happened. And these are the things that I aim for. Um, I saw a really good um, post the other day by a trainer I've worked with um, called David Alexander. And he said, as a trainer, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And I loved it. And I was like, that it's that preparation. For example, I know some guys at the minute that are doing really, really well, but I sort of know their sessions are all about them. And there's, they have an aura and that, that may be great, but I, you know, I wouldn't ever think that they actually think about the, the people they're training. Just like, I would do this because it's me giving it to them. Um, I, I think if you become a trainer, you've sort of got to put your own training to one side that doesn't mean you don't have your self-development and all that, but you focus on that. You focus on the people you're training. Um, and so you look for, you know, Instagram is a big, you know, thing for trainers, but you look at a lot of Instagram and it's literally them doing stuff. And it's saying, come train with me. I'll sell you an online whatever um, and come train with me. But I want to see how they train people, how they interact with people. So I think I made the decision really when I started this to stop, um training i injured my back and i remember going to a class in town uh doing a tire boxing class and i checked a kick wrong and i limped home and i had to teach in the afternoon and i was like sort of like you know (laughs) you know trying to teach completely broken and i i sort of thought to myself well i can't do this it's either one or the other and you know, as you know, you know, if you look at the fight world and all that, most a lot of people who are still in because the, there's not much money, they're still um, fighting and learning or whatever in classes as well as teaching. And you know, they still got to eat and do all those other things. But I think if you're uh, a trainer, you've got to invest in your students and your clients more. And I think that's something that I've been very conscious of. And because I think I also had heroes in training and i've gone and met them all you know i've gone and met them all. i've gone and trained with everyone or you know observed sessions and it didn't matter where they were i identified who i thought and it was not just one field i went across a few fields 
And I've now made a new list and I want to go see what these people do because that, that that's the magic. You know, you see what they do, how they train, whether it be, you know, like uh, just, you know, like mums, whether it be young people, whether it be elite athletes, you know, let's let's see what they do, what magic they bring to the table. And I'm quite an insecure person, so I want to know what they're doing. Do they have do they have a little bit of knowledge or a way with people or you know some form of program that I don't know about? Yeah, I mean, I've noticed that from your um, sort of Instagram posts that there isn't pretty much many of you doing much. It's always your clientele that you're kind of showing. Yeah, who wants to see me in my top off? You know, I'm 42, and I find it I find it quite funny that a lot of the biggest trainers in that world it it really is all about them they are a brand and i'm i I think that the it's a real shame to a degree that they have all these followers and they genuinely do have some influence and they're really more about here's me with a bottle of water make sure you get your hydration in and i understand that you know that everyone's got to make money but i think there's a level of um integrity and ultimately why do you do it why do you do this and i do it to hopefully make people's lives better and if i if i had my way i'd like to influence people on a greater scale because as i said when i went on holiday you know like i saw some really you know overweight young kids a lot of overweight young kids and it honestly makes me so so sad because on on so many fronts you know we talk about choice in life but I feel like they've never really had a choice because um you know we we don't allow young people to vote because we sort of think that they're not qualified to do that but someone else has been qualifying their decisions in lifestyle and nutrition that by the time they are older you know you there's all sorts of things we can look at diabetes and you know just being able to move and you know getting upstairs and being out of breath and all things like that to, to actual sort of a lot more like genetic and you know what are you going to pass on to the next uh podcast and there was a podcast a couple a little while back with dr ronda patrick talking about how um obese people and their sperm and it literally blew my mind and it's something that i really want to research and get on top and i'd like to re-communicate that because i feel like she said a little piece of magic and no one's really uh picked up on that mm-hmm. but you know like you know even you know, going through puberty earlier and all these, all these other factors that being overweight that young, you know, just enjoying life, just, just going out. And I watched the Goonies the other night. I love the Goonies. And, you know, like, you know, there was chunk, there's always been someone, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, giving it the traffic. Travel. But now there's five trunks. And, and so, so that's sort of not my calling, but I think we need to think less about, advertising stuff and look at me and actually about doing something good and i think it's about doing something necessary right now uh we're all i heard david goggins say the other day is that he say his name david goggins yeah yeah, um, like goggins, I yeah yeah i like him i like him i like him a lot but he said a really good thing and he was like um you know everyone everyone's like oh you're doing great you love it you know like everyone's so nice to each other he goes the way you start is you sort your shit out and I was like, that's a really good line because everyone is so scared to offend each other that perhaps we're not telling the truth. Yeah. You know, perhaps we're not being as honest and as real with certain people as 
uh, as we should be and sort of say, hey, these are the consequences. And maybe one day it will be like Wally, you know, when they're all up in space and, you know, forgotten how to use their bodies and that kind of thing. Um, maybe it will be like that. And so perhaps, you know, we it is a case of being more realistic and going, do you know what? You've got to sort your shit out. And that's where you start. No, I agree, man. Like, um, ch- child obesity is uh, just massive at the moment, like a big, big thing that's uh, growing. And uh, I think a lot of the parents are poorly educated as well. And um, there's no education in schools about, um, you know, the healthier choices, the school meals are shit. You know, they're not really um, nutritional in any way. They're just like, yeah, have a slice of pizza and some chips. Like, how the fuck is that? And, and that is a kid. And I saw I saw that when I was away. Let's go get pizza and chips for lunch. And there's this vast array of amazing foods. And there were loads of crazy examples. I went to a, a sushi restaurant in this place that was amazing. And you know, just how a few people came to, for sushi and then just waited for the chicken to go round and then you know left. But um, yes, I, I've I've been trying to look into that a lot more. But if you think about it theoretically children should be calorie machines. They should be able to consume a lot of food. I don't think, you know, we go back when Jamie Oliver was giving it all about the turkey Twizzlers. We've, I was eating wham bars and Angel Delight. You know what I mean? It wasn't, you know, my parents were, I ate with them and it was quite a boring liver and bacon kind of like household, you know, kind of thing. But I did love pudding and I still love pudding. But I would like to talk to some parents, you know, like, and say, what do you honestly think about your children? What do you honestly think about the job that you've done? Because I think sort of perhaps we they love them so much you can't be objective, mm. and you know because you just see it, you see your child and you love them, and that's something I I want to understand a bit more the the sort of like psychology of it all. And I ask the people who I train and my nephews, I inquire about how much they're eight and ten, how much PE they do, and you know like they do an hour and a half a week and my sister was telling me that some of the parents think it's too much i'm like that's nothing it's like it's nothing you know they do do a little run every day which is really cool and the the, the teachers do some cool things but yeah but we've sort of done this to ourselves you know in in you know we used to i i was i played on the streets genuinely excuse me played football in the road badly tennis in the road crazy but um I genuinely did those things, and um, I remember like seeing it a couple of years ago, and that was, that was came out, and the kids put their bikes in the front garden. I was like, we used to do that, and now you don't go past someone would nick the bikes, or yeah. you know, we have slightly altered our culture and perhaps um, not altered our you know sort of like biological lifestyles to match our shifting culture. Yeah, no, I agree because um, we, there definitely is like a lack of. Um, exercise in kids nowadays. I mean, my nephews were here earlier, and I was like, "Oh, do you want to come walk the dog with me? Like, we'll go for a nice walk around the park." And they're just playing the Xbox, and uh, one of them was on his phone, and I'm just like, "They're like, nah." And I'm like, "What do you mean, nah? Like, if that was me when I was young, I was like, yeah, get me out of the house. <laughs> I'm off." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it's kind of like a lot of children nowadays are spending so much time on Xbox and things like that when they get home from mm-hmm. school, whereas when I even when I was at school we'd have say PE every other day or whatever and then I'd still go home and go out and play uh 
stuck in the mud or whatever man yeah. whatever you want to call it you know just play those games and, and you're burning the calories off for the shit food that maybe you have consumed. and movie and yeah. you know like I've, I've, I've been brought in recently to train a couple of late teenagers and i am shocked at their mobility not being a completely you know like mobility something i've have to work tirelessly at myself but you know really rounded shoulders really uh pronating feet you know no nothing in the glutes so they they're really the hips just fall open but in other areas they're so tight just and there's a theme it isn't just one person i've seen this theme in a few people and i'm like wow is this is this what doing this how the body is changing again but um, i could go on about schools and you know like for ages and and just education you know i do have quite a lot of views on that kind of thing but uh I will spare you that for <laughs> getting me back. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm down for that. Um, so what's your view on uh, vegan diets as well? Because I've had a couple of other trainers um, on here from America and they're not massively keen on it as a long-term thing. I just wanted to get your take on, on veganism. Well, I would say, you know, like uh, there's several different angles of, of coming at that. I am a predominantly plant-based and vegetable guy. You know, like I do, I really like my vegetables, and um, but I eat meat and uh, and fish and stuff. And you know, I think if we're looking at it from perhaps uh, a more environmental aspect, then yeah, we have got a sort of head towards more of a vegan lifestyle and squeeze that. But one thing I completely have noticed, whether you look at Donny Ramon, Chris Summers, you know, like the the list of elite trainers goes on and on they all mentioned you gotta have a little bit of meat go have a little bit of meat and there was an amazing article about you know like you know i have a, a uh, someone a trained vegan and she said to me oh uh serena williams and then i read and serena wasn't a strict vegan you know we're talking about elite performance here not not every, you know everyone um and there was there, there was there was an article this about the tour de france this year saying first vegan tour de france guy you know like amazing but then it when you read the full article he was still eating salmon weekly you know so there's different qualities to this thing i don't really see a war you know there's that other diet at the minute where people are just eating meat as well you know I, and then there's the vegan i don't see a war and i just think uh i just eat i don't understand why people want to be labeled like like you will see on instagram i'm the vegan warrior i'm the vegan this or i'm the meat this and i just sort of think you know, like we need to perhaps not look at such extremes. The problem we were just talking about is perhaps getting people to eat some vegetables, more vegetables. And then, you know, you know, whereas veganism seems like a different world, um, vegan desserts aren't very good. That's a problem. That's my problem anyway. <laughs> but um, so do you, do you see what I see? Like, I, I would I would edge towards that. But maybe not for elite performance. But you know, I don't. I don't think we need. You need as much meat as we're presently consuming if we're looking at the general population. Um, but yeah, there are there are great. You know, I'm a big believer in collagen, for example. You know, like a, and you know, the, my collagen is an animal protein from the um, uh, from the from the bones of grass-fed cattle that's what i sort of supplement with and i supplement fish oil and and all sorts of that and i would recommend that to people i train as well 
So um, I just think it's a case of eat more vegetables. Yeah, rather than go. But they're, they're, the... they're, you know, I know there are like you know like there are some elite um, athletes out there. I believe. Um, I, isn't it funny? I just know who's the tennis player. Is DJ Knock Knockerball uh, <laughs> Novak Djokovic on, on Instagram? Yeah. Um, that he's a vegan and stuff like that. But yeah, and there's definitely some American footballers that are now vegans and they're feeling the benefits and you can't knock the benefits. But if you look at overall trends and as I said, elite trainers, which is what I'm looking to, I'm looking towards what's Usain Bolt doing, not what Dave down the street's doing. Mm. And, you know, there, there's always an element. It may not be uh, as big as I sort of said, as we, we sort of consume like, rah, 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 meat, 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 but Yes, I would sort of say we eat some meat. And I put myself, I've, I try a lot of experiments on myself, and I put myself on a vegan diet. And they got to the point, I think I was three and a half weeks in. Maybe No, I did six weeks. I did six weeks. That's right. I did about six and a half weeks. And I craved, and I went and got some liver. You know, like, you know, that wouldn't be my normal food. I went to, a, like, a kebab shop that I knew that did really good liver and I, oh, I was like I felt amazing the next day so I think uh, maybe I took it out too quickly but no, I'm I just think eat more veg I agree with you I mean um, I've tried for a little while to be a vegan and it was just so difficult for me but also I didn't personally feel that great and I, I felt like I needed a bit of meat and maybe I needed to give it like two months worth of trying before my body just like utilized like got rid of all of that out of my system and just utilized sort of the veg and and uh, other other little things but i suppose each to their own on the individual but yeah a lot of top athletes are still using or still having some form of meat just maybe not on the mass consumption that the average joe is uh yeah is and it, it seems to be that if uh, an athlete is a vegan everyone's like look 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 but there's a hundred that aren't and i know that's that's normal life as well but also think the quality of the meat is massive that we do and i'm you know i'm a big believer in the quality of our food rather than the quantity as as many people are um so you just just eat more veg and i suppose it's that that idea of genetic disposition our dna you know like uh, i try to encourage people to always get their bloods done you know, obviously, it's all how much you can afford and how much you're willing to invest into your health. But they're good markers, biomarkers to sort of see, OK, this is what's missing from your diet. What are you eating too much of? You know, and then you can sort of see. And it may be that both of our cases, we went in a bit too hard and we just needed to uh, go in softer. Yeah. So um, what's your like, what sort of tips would you give for someone who... Um, was looking to lose like weight but in like body fat not muscle because there's so many people out there that will go on this radical like eat two meals a day one meal a day thing and think yeah i've lost weight but what they've obviously lost is muscle um yeah rather than than the fat side of and water weight sometimes yeah um you know I, i'm not i'm not that trainer i'm not that kind of person who's going to sell you the the magic pill or the potion kind of thing i would say to them that this if they wanted to lose that weight let's do it but let's do it in a sense that first of all you can maintain you'll have fun so if i look at my training and i look at 
uh, the goals that the people who are trained set themselves and that I want to achieve, you know, that we will we'll come up with kind of thing. There's a massive element of skill based in that. So I, I try to make the sessions as entertaining as possible, as challenging. And, and so they're not specific. We're not busting it out. Like, ah, ah, ah. It's not like a boot camp style because I want them to enjoy their training. I don't want them to uh, dread it. So it may take us twice as long as some of the, you know, other trainers and the things you're talking about in regards to if I was to give tips. My tip would be see weight loss as a byproduct to a healthier lifestyle. And, you know, like having your shoulders just in the right place, just feeling better is is such a blessing. You know, I've been putting time into my mobility and I just feel better when I move. See, I'm literally shaking on my seat. <laughs> um, I I just feel better. Um, and that's, that's a that's a beautiful thing. And that's a byproduct. You know, I'm still training, I'm still burning calories and all, all those other aspects. So I would see what, you know, take away generally a time aspect, you know, like, because it, the, how many people have I seen on Instagram, I mentioned that a lot, but also that I've met that particularly were, went into like some sort of competition. So they might have been overweight. They then got into some like, you know, like body competition. And then when, now when I see them, they're sort of halfway house. They're not quite where they were. And they're always doing those throwback pictures of when I was ripped or the contrast of this is when I was overweight and this is when I was ripped. Um, and I just sort of feel it's unsustainable. And I think they're missing sometimes the, the great thing of a challenge in training, you know, having things that challenge you, you know. Um, and that's why, you know, like um, we – we spoke about a few people beforehand in the email and stuff like, and uh, they're, they're big influences on me because they're, they're bringing in aspects of training, which I can bring into mine that sometimes when you're playing those games and doing those mental things, you don't really realize how out of breath or how knackered you are until you stop and you go, Whew. and uh, I, I honestly think it's a really charming and underrated thing. And, you know, you've really used your brain as well, which is a great thing. We don't do yeah. much of that. How do you um, integrate the fit lights into your sessions? Because I know, obviously, like we've mentioned, you just mentioned there, I'm sure uh, you've watched Nicholas Alexander's uh, stuff with. Yeah, I'm, I'm out with Nicholas in Miami. So, you know. Now. Like, um, <laughs> not, not now, oh, yeah. but I've. Yeah, I, I, was we, say. we, 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 we. we <laughs> I did a session with him in Miami. We we talked. He contacted me ages ago. So I had the fit lights for quite a while. And he just sort of said to me, ah, oh, use the fit lights, you know. And I, yeah, I do. And uh, he's then gone on, I think, to do some really, really cool things. And I think he's someone who potentially, you know, could you, did you see his post with the, um, uh, at the old people's home? You know, like, honestly, I give the guy so much kudos. I really, really like it. Um, Let me check it. I, I integrate as part of my warm-up. So um, I will bring in like a mobility section, you know, get everyone warm. But then I bring in the lights to really switch people on, you know, to really get it, to really try and mentally and physically see how sharp they are. I think reactions are an underutilized skill in practice. And, and most people who are in gyms who are lifting and stuff like that, 
you know, they want to be quick. They want to be fast. They're lifting to be like superhuman. But it's, there's an aspect of reaction they don't practice, you know. like So I was using tennis balls before I had the fit lights. The fit lights just make life easier, more fun. Um, and you can probably do more with it. They are a, a really decent tool and they were a good investment for me. And I've also noticed that when I do these little, so I might do like, say, ask someone to skip 30 seconds and then doing a fit light exercise, skip 30 seconds. So they're getting more out of breath and obviously they're feeling a bit more pressure in the exercise as, you know, as as it goes along and they're becoming more out of breath. And, they're, you know, I suppose just trying to put them under uh, more extreme conditions, extremes are on word. But um, I've then found when we walk over to lift or whatever, that they're much more switched on. You know, that when I ask for that, oh, your technique, you know, find your chest or something like that, they, it's a lot more immediate. And, and I, I really like it like that. And again, it's, I was trained, you know, one of the people I trained with was Exos and I really like their setup in their warm-ups. And they have uh, four, uh, basically four tenants, four pillars in their warm-up. And I think I've added a fifth and it's really helped me. Wouldn't yeah. mind going there and showing them one day. I think um, Nicholas is going to change the game um, with the fit lights and the whole uh, mental aspect and implementation uh, in workouts. Because I agree with you. If you do that sort of stuff, you are more you are more switched on and more ready to work. And I don't know what I obviously he could articulate it about a thousand times better than probably you and me. But there is something there where you're skipping, you do those lights, and then we're like, okay, we're going to go do this now, and they're like, bang, they're on the ball. And I don't know why that works that way, but it just does. <laughs> it t totally. I used to watch loads and loads of bands and I would say to my friends, these are going to do it. Like, you know, like Radiohead, The Darkness, and things like that, you know, I'd call, I made terrible mistakes as well. But I feel like he is someone that is going to do something. I, and he, obviously he puts his complete attention into that. I don't do that. I take 10% of that into my sessions. And, uh, you know, I would like to perhaps um devote more time to it but uh, there's all these other aspects that i want to devote time to you know I, I like like a super athlete and that's how i like my training i'm not a specialist um i think specialists often do better than i do because people if you want to go to a handstand you want to go you know go do yoga go to this guy or this girl you know they're they're amazing at that one thing whereas i'm trying to make my people like ninjas and ninjas can adapt to any situation. I was just going to say, there's the there's the photo of you guys. I knew, I thought I was. Uh, I'd yeah. That. I, that. I don't know if it would come up, but yeah, yeah, rocking. Yeah, yeah, we've we've been talking, That's... we've been talking for a long while, and uh, you know, he, yeah, I just I just like what he does. He's a cool guy, you know, uh, and I, yeah, I think I don't just think in the fighters. I think there is that, you know, he was going to um, the UFC Performance Institute. And I, and I, you know, I really said to him, you know, like this, this could be magic for fighters, you know, having been punched in the face so many times um, just through training and stuff like that, you know, because I started when I was 13 and I really stopped when I was 40. Now, you know, perhaps I didn't have these great wars, but that's a long, long time, you know, of, of 27 years of going at it and, uh, you know, eating shots and all that kind of malarkey um, that, he could have a way that perhaps um, this, I think this is my idea. I don't, I don't know. You know, like this was the way I saw it anyway, that perhaps all the fighters, you know, Nicholas created something, all the fighters would be assessed by. And after every fight, 
they were then reassessed, reassessed, reassessed. And you could see perhaps uh, some way of uh, two things. You could try and, you know, build up the mind activity via exercises that he's creates. But also you can see if there is any accumulative damage over the fights. If they're sort of doing that, then perhaps they send the people to Nicholas or his programs. And, you know, I, I think he could do magic for fighters. But also I loved, he blew my mind with the old people thing. He literally blew my mind. I was literally going to everyone, look at this, look at this. You know, like, fuck those people on Instagram who are selling 15% of protein or have got you a code for shoes and stuff like that. <laughs> this guy's doing something worthwhile. Yeah. And that's um, the shame sometimes is that um, some people don't get enough recognition for the great things they're doing. Or you go to someone... Oh yeah, you can get fifteen percent of protein, or look at this what this fucking guy's doing. Like, how cool is this? And they're like, just give me the fifteen percent of protein. I don't care about your video. And you're like, well, I'm trying to educate you when you just care about fifteen yeah. percent of protein. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, he doesn't care if he's you know that Jim that Jim is wearing Jim Shark or something like that. He's literally just you know out there grafting and creating. But you know, on, on the same front, I, I that's that's the ethos and the ethic I try to bring into to what I do and I think most of the people that I've I look towards are very very similar you know and they're they're the real bastions you know they they might not have the most followers but they're the ones who are really making a difference you know so how did how far did you get with uh, taekwondo like what's the ranking system and stuff like that in the sense of like belts <laughs> and things like that oh yeah I killed badass? the best. Oh, no, no, Taekwondo's a bit of a crazy one. I went to Thailand when I was 19, um, and I had won quite a few Taekwondo competitions. I'd just been Australia and won a Taekwondo competition out there, and I thought I was badass, and I, you know, went to some gym and, uh, you know, doing some pads and all that, and, you know, I went back, I think, four or five days in a row. It's a long time ago now. And then uh, I... um, I did some like heavy sparring and we didn't wear any shin guards. It was a bit weird for me. And I, if I look at it in my head, I always felt like I won the rounds, but the next three days I was just like limping as the guys are drawing me legs and everything else. So um, it had its weaknesses and strengths, but definitely had some strengths when I went into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, wrestling, and I suppose MMA because it, it requires more dexterity. So I felt that, you know, like I could go both ways and um, I've always switched. And so like I'm from Southport to off, from Southport to Orthodox. And, you know, just to see, is it going to confuse? What can I draw out my, the person I'm sparring and stuff like that? So I, I like Taekwondo, but I, I was a third down in Taekwondo, nice. you know? So, yeah, but I, I, I was, again, I was never bothered about the grades. I was when I was a kid, but I think once I got my black belt, um, it just seemed like volumes of money, but I was a, I, I was a black belt under the Cookie One, which is the Korean, the head of the the head of Taekwondo. The, you know, I don't think many black belts are in the UK are actually under that. But yeah, so no one's going to be coming to steal your fucking gym bag, then, are they? <laughs> uh, they can, but you know, like, well, you know, I <laughs> they can I, try. <laughs> I, I really like jujitsu. I really like that element. You know, I, I started jujitsu in two. Oh my god, 2007? 2007, I think, you know, so BJJ, uh, you know, like, um, and uh, 
that was a I, I like I like all the martial arts and that that goes back to what I said earlier about I want to be the superhuman that's why I think I was really drawn as soon as I saw the UFC I was like oh my god you know that the idea of not just being good at one thing but being good in every scenario hence why I still try and swim you know run as well as be mobile and I still practice all my lifts and you and the reactions and all those other things you know in, in my time that's I want to be sharp but it does make you uh, a little less uh, visual because you know the people who can do one or two things unbelievably well and I'm like a bit of a jack of all trades half you know pulling everything up a bit with a bit of a bendy back or something like that so how important is mobility um obviously I know you said you're working on your you yeah. work on your mobility religiously um how important is is it do you think how much could you stress it on is it like something you really apply with all your clients as well yes to a degree to a degree there's only so much time i have and with with a lot of these with a lot of the people i train the session might be cancelled the night before because suddenly they're off to somewhere else or work or something do you, do you know what i mean so sometimes your plans go out the window and i'd like to spend more time on that but i was watching last week uh I've watched quite a few lower budget Cirque du Soleil shows and stuff like that. Whenever you see anyone who's truly strong, even the Olympic lifters, and I think this is something that bodybuilding is really lacking, is they're so mobile. And an Olympic lifter will spend 45 minutes an hour warming up. You know, and they can they can really deep squat with the straight back and the hips open. And a lot of them can, you know, do close to the splits and all that kind of thing. That hasn't sort of transferred into bodybuilding. But basically, whenever you see someone who's what I would call truly strong in themselves, they're usually mobile as well. They actually, and it's so easy, I think, to build strength off of mobility. So if you have this mobile base and then you you put that as a foundation and you put on top, I think that makes it easier. Now, I'm sort of doing the reverse with myself and it is proving a lot. A lot harder but it's something that i'm going to endeavor with and um, i get up and do my little bits and bobs and i'll do them before i go to bed and i'm going to continue to do that because again it it ties in with longevity you know if i if i want to do something for a long time if i, I want to i'm 42 what, I, what am i going to like my 52 what am i going to like 62 you know uh, uh, you know the human skeleton arguably was last designed to last 110 years you know kelly's the says 120 years um so what we do with it counts and i want it to have full ranges and i want it to be healthy and the joints ought to work and um, i think it's like ironic that you know people always go oh you'll need a hip replacement or you'll need a knee replacement when you know my nan had two knee replacements and she didn't do much with her knees you know what i mean mm. like uh, it it's you know keeping the joints well lubricated um you know so uh, I, I think mobility is really important. I don't suddenly think you should give everything up to do mobility. But I think if you want to be truly strong, look at sort of the gymnasts, look at these performers and they're all pretty mobile. Their shoulders all work, you know, the hips all open, their spines all bend. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, um, you've got to think of the, the body as like um, a machine almost. Do you know what I mean? Like a computer or whatever, you've got to oil it. Got to make sure all parts are functioning fine. 
you got to make sure everything's rotating and moving the way it should be. If you had like a, a fan in your computer and it weren't spinning properly, like that's going to cause things to overheat and break. Like, and it's the same if your shoulder mobility is poor, like eventually that's going to have wear and tear damage and cause either you to have like poor lifting technique or uh, poor core strength, whatever it is. Um, so, I mean, I've been trying to start working on my uh, mobility training within the last couple of months because i've got quite poor hips for some reason my hip flexors are really tight and um most guys are most yeah. guys are you know like and it's that's the one to stretch you know if you're if you're a guy you know to really open up you feel better for it yeah and uh it's like the knock-on effect so i think i can't remember it um off by heart but it's along the lines of like because my hip flexors aren't working i've got quite poor core strength and that's also affecting my knees as well. So when I squat, like the reason why my knees are in, uh, have been in pain is because they're taking quite a lot of the load because my hips. Aren't yeah, exactly. they're being pulled on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If and, the hip uh, flexors are tight, you think it's not suddenly as it's sort of lengthening, it doesn't want to lengthen, so it's going to pull the kneecap, and you might even have some uh, femoral patella problems. Yeah, Stuff like that. it's mad. Like people neglect it. Do you know what I mean? They just like turn up into the gym. Yeah, just load 100 kilos on there. I'm going to squat that, get big. And then they're like, oh, uh, my knees are hurting. Like, two but years this is where, <laughs> this is where, you know, and I see it. I see it in a lot of the young boys in the gym, you know, like I'm talking about the 18 and they're loading and already their shoulders are quite forwards. They look, you know, they, look, they walk around like this. I don't yeah. know if you can sort of see like that. And this should be open. You know, if you want to look intimidating, you want that open chest kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and as a result, they're loading <laughs> at the front of their glenohumeral joint, you know, like, and really the stable places back here. So they're, they're creating more muscle in one area, but really their chest and their biceps are getting super tight. And yeah, you know, ultimately they won't be as effective, but this is where it comes into that education. And, and most people just do that because they want to look great. But I do think if you said to most people, if you just slightly alter your technique, if you spend five minutes, 10 minutes doing this, you could do this for 50 years and you'll look like this at 60, not just for your beach holiday in seven weeks, you know, kind of thing, or get fit for Christmas. That And that's where I would really like to, if I could have an influence, that's where I'd really like to make it a lifestyle because, you know, a lot of people argue that we don't move how we used to and perhaps we're never going to. So if we're smart, we're going to have to adapt and bring in an element of fitness because I'm not chasing a stag with a with a spear. I'm not reaching up a tree to pick berries. And, you know, I'm not even in a, you know, a farmer, you know, or anything like that. So we've got to be a little smart about this. Um, I'd love to see gyms like influence like a or have a little program, perhaps, you know, unfortunately it's cash and everything like that. But just, you know, teach people how the, the biomechanics of how to lift and all stuff like that. Just have someone they could reference and say, mm. you know, almost like a, a cool, when you go into the Apple store, there's someone who can show you how this works and how that does. When you go into the gym, you don't have that person. And gym environments can be a, you know, uh, my first job was putting the weights. I was 13. I spent the weights away at Spit and Sawdust Gym for six pounds a night and a protein shake. Um, and, you know, like uh, it was above the co-op in Northumberland Heath called T-Seats. And, uh, you know, I loved it, but there is there is a slightly strange environment that isn't there as much in the gyms, but it it still is there. 
You know, like you'll be talking to someone and they'll just suddenly look to their right and they're looking in the mirror as they're talking to you, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, I always find that thing a bit funny. Yeah, I mean, I used to have, um, there's a mistake I made when I trained is um, when I was young, I started uh, training when I was 16 and I was like, chest mad, you know, always training my chest. Like, obviously, I'd give it a rest day, but then back to training chest again and I ended up like really around hunched over shoulders and I was like, my chest ain't looking any bigger. Like, what is going on? I'm just like rounding Because the off. shoulders are hiding it. <laughs> yeah. So I had to, um, I've, like, basically I neglected training training my back. So I had to spend loads of time training my back more than my chest to compensate. Mm-hmm. And then eventually my shoulders kind of started to pull back a little bit because my back muscles got stronger. And that gave me a bit more of a, an open chest. But I still have uh, it's quite far rounded shoulders. And that's, due to lack of mobility and, and so forth anyway so, so there's, a, there's a there's a great one so you're you're sort of describing your chest and biceps maybe a bit tight so a good one is i get a i get a weighted pole like a gym pole but you can also get like a dowel stick and put a weight on it lie down make sure you're completely flat you're not got that arch in your back sort of like dead pug style and just so i'm lying back just let this open so I'm, imagine i'm lying on my back on the bench and i'm letting those shoulders open just slowly because you've got a little weight so it's slightly being dragged and over time you can increase the weight i'd start with like a one kilogram but just you feel how tight your biceps are when i get people to do it they're like oh my god my biceps i'm like all that is is your arm is straight you just you know like you suddenly suddenly here you know you can straighten your arm and suddenly people can't believe how tight their biceps are but that's the thing we do at the gym we do bench press and we do curls you know um and and I understand why we do, but this is where it would be really cool if we had, uh, you know, I, you know, I mentioned Kelly Starrett before, you know, like what he's done for CrossFit by bringing in mobility and understanding what the butt wink is to try and stop people, you know, getting slamming on their SI joints and having problems there and all that malarkey. Be good if the bodybuilding had that kind of thing. And I, I mean, don't mean bodybuilding as in Mr. Olympia. I mean more like. Bob and Dave at your local gym. Yeah. Um. So just going off on a, a little tangent, um, just wanted to sort of ask your opinion on what you watched UFC 230. Of course I did. Yeah. Of course what did I did. You think, I've, I've, I've seen every. I've seen every UFC multiple times. <laughs> what, what did, did I you think? think of? Um, yeah. The the aftermath and the McGregor Khabib start. Let's start a uh, fight. Let's start from the beginning of that. How do you think Conor McGregor fared in that in that fight? I was a little disappointed. You know, I, I'm a I'm a Conor fan, and I did want to see him uh, win. Everyone knew what Habib was about, and obviously, I'm talking now, and I've I've um, you know obviously read his appraisal, you know that he put on Instagram the other day, and I also listened to Artem Lobov's interview, his first interview he's done with Ariel Hawani the other. I think he did that Monday or Tuesday, and so you know he's describing how the actual sort of like uh attitude started but um so yeah yeah i was you know connor sort of saying he didn't really try that hard you know train that hard and train that smart and um I, i've read obviously i've read um his coach's book john kavanagh's win or learn and i like you know like all that but you've got to win or learn but you've also got to be smart and aware of the things you're going to face in the first time you can't just go well we'll learn from it you know, like you should have prepared for it in the first place um, because you know what Habib's about. Um, 
I still feel, I'm perhaps an optimist here, but I still feel Connor has a few tools to really give Habib troubles. I think giving up the first takedown was a big problem. Because um, even though, you know, you can say nothing happened in the first round, he got him down with his first takedown. Uh, you know, you could say it was a chain takedown, but he had his his foot so deep in here, if you look at it, and it was never going. He didn't care. When they were both like sort of sat opposite, and it almost looked like Connor might get the sweep or the reversal right at the beginning. He didn't really care. He had this foot, and he just concentrated on this foot, and eventually they got to the cage, and he still had the foot at that point, and then could transition his chain wrestling. I think that was a, a problem. I think he needed to stuff or create more distance in the first two uh takedown attempts and his punches but you know who who am i to say you know like connor's way above me but i just i love watching it man i i think it's i think it's brilliant i loved the fight before tony ferguson and anthony pettis you know oh, yeah. i think it's crazy that andy pettis caught him so hard and the very thing that changed the fight for him and makes it look like tony he was going to beat tony ferguson is the very thing that pulled him out of the fight after he broke his hand and and that's that's the thing um so you know how the fight evolved i could go on about that for ages and stuff like that um uh i'm i'm quite into that and i'll like, almost like talk to myself about it um, me and my friend dave we we sometimes dissect the fights um um but the aftermath yeah it wasn't good i think it's a really strange situation and lots of people are going oh habib shouldn't have offended his dad shouldn't have offended religion and all that kind of thing but Habib's now talking about fighting Floyd Mayweather. He knew, just as Connor knew what Habib was all about, Habib knew what Connor was all about in the beforehand. So he was always going to go for those things. And I and I find it a bit strange that everyone's like, oh, yeah, he shouldn't have said those things. He's taken it too far. When suddenly, if he, if he felt like that, he's going to make, what, five to six million for this once they sort out the, the, um, yeah, the paper views. Right. He's never going to have. Habib, you know, like suddenly Habib's like this massive star whose Instagram jumped up two million and, and he's talking about fighting Floyd Maver and he'll get 50 million for that. He wouldn't have had those opportunities had not fought Connor. And so I think, like, I, I just I find, you know, like Connor knew what Habib was about and Habib knew what Connor was about. So it's not a big deal. I don't think he should have jumped out of the cage at all. You know, I think that was his chance. If he, if he didn't want, if he wanted to punish McGregor, don't choke him out. Keep punching him. Take him into the fifth round. Punch him, punch him, punch him, and submit him with 15 seconds to go and say, could have done that whenever I wanted. So, uh, you know, that's 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 my take on that situation. Yeah. Uh, it's strange because Khabib was like, he Connor looked such a level below. Um, but we know he's not, and I just think that two-year layoff of not being in the octagon might have been a factor because everyone forgets that when we're talking about it and if someone had a two-year layoff in boxing and then went in and fought the best guy unless you're sugar ray leonard or something it's a little bit different but went in and fought the best guy they're, they're probably going to lose i mean tyson fury he's had a couple of warm-up fights and he's going to be fighting deontay wilder and everyone's like maybe it's a little bit too soon he need he needs a bit more time to prefer uh prepare but when it comes to conor mcgregor jumping into the octagon with uh, one of the best wrestlers the UFC's probably seen in a long time, if ever. Um, no one cares about the two-year layoff. We're just like, yeah, you should have should have just decked him in the first round with that left hand. Yeah, and even when you, when he got to the third round, 
I liked his front kick a lot, the low front kick he was doing. But the punches didn't really have that. Well, he puts he can often be off balance with that left hand anyway. But he wasn't really turning the corner. He wasn't really distance managing. You know, he didn't really have a little bit of that karate style or you know like yeah. anything. He was just sort of standing there and yeah, there wasn't that. So that was from my as a fan. The third round was actually quite disappointing because I wanted to see the striking that he really displayed against Eddie Alvarez. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's strange. Like it, I just didn't feel like it was Conor McGregor in there. I don't know whether you agree with me. It was weird. Like I just feel when you watch him, he's like in his previous fights, he's like bouncing on his toes a little bit. Yeah, he's got yeah. that distance. He's got that range. He closes the distance, gets back out of the pockets, and so on. And I don't know whether it was because of um, Khabib's style that messed him up, but I just personally think it's because he didn't have, he hadn't fought in those two years, and it's completely different. And I just think he maybe uh, lacked a little bit. I just got to close my window. It's the war. The war started. I'd <laughs> probably still be able to hear it. But yeah. Um, are you, are you in your bunker? Too. Are you safe in your bunker? <laughs> yeah. They're, well, they're, they're still going off. It don't matter. My window's closed as well. So, um, but yeah, uh, that that was it. That was that's all I've got uh, to to kind of go with you, uh, go go over with you today. Um, we've been on for an hour, which uh, has gone gone quite quick for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I told you I can waffle and I could go and go and go and go. Well, that's handy because I've got an appointment in twenty minutes, so quarter past eight. So, um, but yeah, um, I love to chat, so it's not a problem. Cool. I'll get you back on. Um, maybe we could talk more UFC. Um, I do. I do like a UFC little panel show um, every now and then for the the big fights of like Phil Deroux and stuff like that. So you're more than welcome to to come on. Oh my god, that would be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. Be, be interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, the floor is yours. Two minutes. Advertise yourself if anyone wants to get in contact for you for any podcast interviews and that. Um, feel free to. Drop I'm on in. Instagram. Rob underscore Solly. Emails robsolly at iCloud.com, you know, just if you want to chat, let's, if you want to chat, let's chat. But yeah, you know, like I, I, don't, I don't have anything to sell. I just go and train people. Cool, man. Um, but I really thank you for coming on and chatting with me, man. No, no worries. My pleasure. Um, I'll talk to you off, uh, off camera for two minutes, if that's okay with you anyways. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, that was it. But yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good evening. <laughs>